Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 7.13 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 21st of June, 2021. This is episode 441 of Bitcoin and... If you're awake at this point, you've seen it. We've been here before, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, mesdames and messieurs. We've been here on several occasions. In fact, we've seen prices like this as as long as a couple of weeks ago. So, God dang, man, I opened up Twitter this morning and it's like just a shit show. And it's Monday. All right, so like, welcome to Monday. It's not like we haven't had this before. Every Monday is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get unless the fucker's empty. I'm just saying, man, let's, we're going to get into all this, but first I got, <clears throat> not, it's not an announcement, but in case you are not aware, I somehow or another, my uh, RSS feed is not updating to uh, iTunes podcasts. Um, and it's actually kind of putting a dent in, in my listenership. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, it's not like a loss of like half or anything like that, but it's, yeah, I mean, I've, I've noticed a difference. I do not know why, uh, iTunes podcast is not getting, uh, is not updating on, uh, from my RSS feed out of SoundCloud, but you can, li- I mean, if you're you're not hearing this, if you're if you're listening to me on on uh, iTunes podcast, uh, but if you know somebody like or if somebody's asking a question as to why they can't they're not get I'm not getting new shows out. If you do me a favor, tell them to use any other podcatcher. Use Breeze Wallet. If you you know because that on that one you can kill two birds with one stone. You can help me out. Send me some of those sweet satoshis while you listen to my pearly voice. And uh, you're, you'd be helping me out and you'd be helping the Breeze Wallet out by adopting their technology, which has Podcasting 2.0 embedded inside. And if you don't know what that means, it means you can go to the get Breeze Wallet, throw some sats on it, and then there's like a little microphone inside the, the, the wallet app. You hit that and you look for Bitcoin and dot, uh, space dot space dot space dot and you'll, you'll find me and you can stream me Satoshis while you listen to me. As I go into all the FUD about China. Now, this time, it does feel a little different. It does look like China is actively, you know, they're not just blowing smoke this time. It looks to me like they're very serious. Although, you got, you just, you got to, it's, what's the best way to say this? Even though this one does look very serious with the shutdown of mining and and the other stuff that we'll get into, I would I wouldn't trust China. I couldn't trust China as far as I could throw China. All right, and that's a that would be pretty heavy. So I got to keep 
an open mind and uh, open eyes and open ears about all this stuff because it's throwing your future away like this in the face of the second world and third world countries that are going to start adopting Bitcoin. I don't know if you want, I don't know if you want to do that, dude. And we'll have to see what happens in the United States and, and Canada. If they follow suit, it looks like there's probably going to be a migration below the equator for every, anybody that has any kind of sense of, you know, sense about them. They could, we could all be going south of the equator very, very soon. And honestly, I, I, I kind of probably would not cry that much about it anyway. So let's start with this one. Thomas M BTC times as China cracks down on miners, Bitcoiners expect a hash rate shift. China's crackdown on Bitcoin mining is beginning to materialize as restrictions expand to the Sichuan province, one of the main regions used for Bitcoin mining in the country. On Friday, the Sichuan Provincial Development and Reform Commission issued a joint notice with the Sichuan Energy Bureau demanding the shutdown of the mining operations in the region. The announcement followed rumors published by local outlet Pan News that a move to clean up and rectify Bitcoin mining operations had resulted in a one-size-fits-all policy requiring all miners in the region to shut down by June the 25th. Sichuan follows the Inner Mongolia, uh, Qinghai, and Yunnan provinces, all of which have announced partial crackdowns or full-out mining bans. The developments come after a series of announcements by Chinese authorities announcing moves to clamp down on the local mining operations, which accounted for over 65% of Bitcoin's global hash rate in late 2020. While initially it wasn't clear to which extent the country would take action, the first mining operations reacted soon after the initial announcement. At the time, BTC.top founder Zhang Zuer, I can't pronounce his name, sorry guys, wrote on Weibo that he believed that the situation was not as bad as everyone thinks. The original Weibo post is no longer available, presumably due to China's recent crackdown on Bitcoin-related accounts on the social media platform. Regardless, Zhang announced that his firm would establish its mining farms in North America in the future and predicted that eventually China will lose crypto compute power to foreign markets. The Sichuan province was popular with miners due to its abundance of hydropower. The blanket ban, despite major usage of hydro energy, has led some to believe that climate concerns aren't the motive behind China's crackdown. Well, of course not. Castle Highland Ventures general partner Nick Carter commented on Twitter that the bans might rather be connected to anti-corruption campaigns, a hypothesis supported by Yunnan's formulation of a crackdown. The province hasn't actually outright banned Bitcoin mining at press time, but only announced it would shut down mining operations powered by illegal sources of electricity. Another hypothesis involves Chinese authorities potentially regarding Bitcoin's decentralized and uncontrollable nature as a potential threat for the country. At the time of writing, Bitcoin hash rate has dropped to around 115 exahashes per second, down from an all-time high of over 180 exahashes in early May. A drop in hash rate has no immediate effect on Bitcoin itself. Lower hash rate results in slower block times until the next difficulty adjustment, which takes place approximately every two weeks. Although lower hash rate technically means that less hash rate is required to launch an attack on the network, such an attack is extremely unlikely, both due to economic incentives to mine with the network rather than against it, 
and a global shortage in mining hardware, making it extremely complicated, costly, impractical, and essentially impossible to gain control over the mining power required to attack Bitcoin. What China's crackdown and the resulting hash rate drop might do is accelerate the shift of hash away from China and towards other regions that are more welcoming to miners. In fact, even prior to China's crackdown, there was a clear trend of hash rate moving towards North America, Kazakhstan, and other countries. Public country, uh, companies such as Marathon Patent Group and Riot Blockchain are building out their mining operations in the United States. Bitcoin infrastructure firm Blockstream has been mining Bitcoin in Canada and the U.S. since 2017 and recently announced an upcoming solar-powered Bitcoin mining project with Jack Dorsey Square. Meanwhile, El Salvador is elevating mining to a nation-state level, with President Nayib Bukele working on mining facilities powered by geothermal energy provided by the country's multiple volcanoes, bitches. Some expect the current developments to result in an overall higher proportional use of renewable energy sources for Bitcoin mining as Chinese miners move from a mix of coal and hydropower to hydropower only overseas. For now, lower hash rate might be on the horizon while miners find new homes for their rigs. In the long run, the only one to take damage from the move will be China, according to MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor, who commented on Twitter, quote, China's crackdown on mining and trading created an, a forced and rushed exodus of Chinese capital and mining from the Bitcoin network. A tragedy for China and a benefit for the rest of the world over the long term. Yeah, no shit, Mike. Uh, where's your announcement of buying more Bitcoin? I haven't seen it. I, I, I like seeing those. Anyway, okay, so that's that's what kind of prompted everything. So this is like, you know, obviously this happened on, like this this story was written on Friday. So we had been getting telegraphed over the, you know, like Thursday and Friday that this shit was, was on the horizon. And then people got spooked over the weekend and they're still spooked right now. I... We, We've been here before. That's all I got to say. We've been here before. If you if you haven't been here before, welcome to Bitcoin. I'm just saying, man. It's it's it can it can get it can get ugly. Now, continuing with China's constant fud, we have this one, and I have no idea. Nobody has any idea if this is actually true or not. We're, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But Marie Hulet is writing this one for Cointelegraph. Banks fall in line as China's central bank cracks down on crypto accounts. So we, we had, we're moving away from the mining crap and we're getting into the on-off-ramp crap, okay? AgBank, the world's third largest bank by assets, has indicated that it will follow the PBOC's cue and work to stamp out its clients' crypto-related activities. The Agricultural Bank of China, AgBank, uh, is set to implement Beijing's uh, firm anti-cryptocurrency measures and rigorously vet its clients to ensure that they are not engaged in any form of illegal activities involving crypto transacting, trading, or mining. AgBank's statement today followed the institution's meeting with the People's Bank of China which convened major domestic banks and mobile payment service providers and ordered them to ensure that banking and settlement services are denied to clients engaging in crypto-related transactions. 
An official PBOC statement today reiterated that all banks and payment institutions, quote, must not provide account opening or registration for virtual currency related activities. Continuing the quote, institutions must comprehensively investigate and identify virtual currency exchanges and over-the-counter dealers' capital accounts and cut off transaction fund payment links in a timely manner. They must analyze the capital transaction characteristics of virtual currency trading hype acti- or type activities and ensure that relevant monitoring and handling measures are implemented, in quote. In addition to AgBank, the Industrial and Commercial Bank of China, the Construction Bank of China, Postal Savings Bank of China, and the Industrial Bank, alongside mobile payments app Alipay, were all present for the POBC meeting. AgBank's statement is the first made by a Chinese state bank in line with the tenor of this year's renewed suite of anti-crypto measures, which have included the State Council's Financial Stability and Development Committee's decision in late May to curtail Bitcoin mining and financial risk concerns. Regional financial regulators in China have also upped their game and issued warnings against illegal crypto and blockchain-focused financing platforms or advertising campaigns, as well as banning financial and payment institutions from directly or indirectly providing services related to virtual currencies. Man, this just sounds like a bunch of fear, dude. AgBank has indicated that it will immediately shut down accounts and suspend ties with any client found to be involved in cryptocurrency trading. The megabank initially appealed to its clients to report any suspected crypto-related funds, although this request has reportedly since been deleted from the bank's statement. Having banned token issuance in crypto trading as early as 2017 during the market's first major bull run, this year has seen a consolidation of Beijing's antagonistic stance toward decentralized cryptocurrencies. In mid-May, three major Chinese trade associations, the China Internet Finance Association, China Banking Association, and China Payment and Clearing Association, all issued a joint statement warning the public about the risks of investing in cryptocurrencies. Beijing's major crackdown on crypto mining has cited concerns over the industry's carbon footprint, which is bullshit, especially in areas such as Inner Mongolia. At least three mining firms, BTC Top, Hobi, and Hashcow, have been driven to cease their activities on the mainland. Social media networks and internet companies in the country have also fallen in line with the center's anti-crypto stance and have, over the last few months, censored crypto-related search results and banned crypto-related profiles. Okay, so there's that one. All right, so are you scared yet? Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you just shivering? Yeah, screw these guys. You know, all this really look. It, I said it while I was reading the article, but this just looks like straight-up fear. They, they are gonna shove the digital wand down every single Chinese national's throat. They are not going to allow any kind of monetary competition whatsoever. The problem is, is that China as a country exists alongside of a whole lot of other countries. And a whole lot of those countries are broke, like a, like broke dig dogs. I mean, I'm just, just, you got, like, you know, starting in Mexico and going down into Central America and South America, then you've got the entire continent of Africa 
And anybody in Africa worth their salt can see that Bitcoin is a way of not being under China's thumb. I don't know how, like, you know, China would have to rule the world to, and, and if they'd have to rule the world to stop Bitcoin and they wouldn't even be able to stop it. It would just dry, it would just dive underground. But here is where we're going to see regulatory arbitrage on a global stage. You know, we're going to get to see like the, the, how the sausage is, is basically made. There's not going to be a whole lot of things that they can do to, you know, hide. I don't know. What am I trying to say here? It's not like they're, they're going to be able to hide under, you know, a whole bunch of statements about how it's about the climate or how it's like, oh, we need to reduce our carbon footprint. All that is bullshit. They're going to open up like three to 600 coal burning plants in China alone in this next year. They don't care about the climate. That is not their concern. Right, so this has nothing whatsoever to do at all with the climate or a carbon footprint. So how do I know? Because they're going to open up three to 600 coal burning electrical generation plants in the next year. It's just, just bullshit is all it is. So as these China, Chiners, Chinese miners pick up and move, and they will. I mean, they will. They're not, I'm, I saw a tweet today that said something, or this morning that said something along the lines of, the Chinese miners are not going to sit back and take this. And somehow or another, I got the tone that they were going to fight the Chinese government to allow this shit to happen. Nah, that's a waste of your time. You need to go and get the hell out of your country while you still can. If you're a Chinese miner and you're listening to this, get out. Get your shit, put it on a boat or airlift it, get it out and come so any, you don't even have to come to the U S shit. You need to redistribute this crap all over the world so that China basically ends up being, if we're, if, you know, if we're lucky, China ends up being the only country that completely has no exposure to Bitcoin, but it'll, it'll still be there. It'll be pushed underground. So that my take is that they just, don't want any competition with their digital wand because that thing, that thing is like a magician's wand, right? I mean, being able to put a, uh, you can control who they do business with. You can control where all the money goes. You can, can, you can even put a timer on their money to make sure that they spend it before it evaporates out of their bank account. It's the most draconian thing that has ever been developed by the minds of man, and it's fucking pure evil. And that's why they don't want Bitcoin anywhere in their country. They want total control, and, and here's what I don't understand. I don't get people that live their lives trying to figure out how to control other people. I don't understand the mindset. I don't understand that particular set of neurology. I don't get it. Why would you want to waste all your time putting your thumb on somebody else when you could be out, oh, I don't know, going fishing, taking a walk with your son, you know, hearing birds chirp, I don't know, herd chickens or something like that. Gee, there's so much more about this life. And watching these people in suits just crawl all over each other, trying to get scratch out a modicum of control 
over a whole bunch of people that honestly couldn't give less of a shit about anything other than taking a walk with their son, going fishing, making babies, herding chickens, maybe watching some sports ball every once in a while. I don't know. So that is where, that's where my naivete really lies is this complete misunderstanding of just how many people get off on this shit. I, I don't, I don't want to control you. I don't even, I don't want to tell you what to do, what to think, how to act. I don't care. Just don't take my shit and don't hurt me and mine. That's it. You do that. We're good friends, man. So now getting back into that, to the uh, banking FUD from, uh, but this time not from China. Okay. Bank TSB is set to bar 5.4 million customers from buying crypto. Osato Ava Nemeo is writing this one for Cointelegraph. Uh, United Kingdom-based financial institution TSB Banking Group PLC will soon ban its 5.4 million customers from buying Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. According to a report by The Telegraph on Saturday, the bank's imminent crypto ban is due to alleged cases of fraud associated with cryptocurrency transactions. Bank TSP has reportedly received a plethora of complaints from customers about crypto-related fraud cases. Indeed, the UK bank says that about 12.5% of payments to crypto exchange platforms involve transactions as against one in 5,500 for non-virtual currency-related transfers. Crypto exchange giant Binance has reportedly been linked to a rising number of crypto fraud complaints lodged by the bank's customers. Two-thirds of suspected cases were linked to Binance, with 849 instances occurring between mid-March and mid-April. As previously reported by Cointelegraph, UK bank NatWest issued a crypto scam alert back in May after reportedly receiving a record number of complaints in the first quarter. Earlier in April, the bank had served an anti-crypto notice to clients and customers to stay away from cryptocurrencies. Apart from Binance, TSB Bank identified United States exchange service Kraken as yet another platform linked to a significant number of suspected fraud cases. The UK bank also criticized crypto exchanges for not responding to fraud-related customer complaints. Commenting on plans to introduce a crypto ban, a spokesperson for TSB Bank remarked that it was the bank's obligation to protect customers from platforms with excessively high fraud rates. TSB Bank joins a growing list of UK financial institutions <clears throat> that have barred customers from crypto. Apart from NatWest, other British banks such as Barclays and Starling have moved to ban customers from depositing cash in cryptocurrency trading platforms. Earlier in June, Starling announced that it would resume allowing customers to deposit cash in crypto exchanges from Wednesday. At the start of the year, HSBC began preventing customers from withdrawing profits from crypto exchanges to their bank accounts. While there is no crypto ban in the UK, regulators remain critical of cryptocurrencies. In May, Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey warned that crypto investors ran the risk of losing all of their money. Bailey's comments echoed a similar warning issued by UK Financial Conduct Authority back in January. Okay, okay. And this is why I Bitcoin. I don't, I mean, other than getting rid of all the shit coins that I had been sitting on, uh, what was that? Uh, I think it was like in May, like late May. Um, other than that, I don't trade. 
And this is why I, there's, uh, so I think I'm going to read a story here in a little bit about Neil Kashkari, uh, calling shit a, a Ponzi. Um, and I know that we shit all over Neil Kashkari for a lot of reasons and, and he deserves it. Honestly. I mean, when there's infinite money at the fed, that's, that's should be, that should send off all kinds of alarm bells. But he's actually correct about 99.99% of this space. This thing is just a huge shit show because of people like Vitalik Buterin, because of people like Craig Wright, because of people like Roger Ver, because of all these people, that idiot, God, what's his name? Charles Hoskinson? I, I was in Miami at this, this Bitcoin conference there. I had a toilet paper roll thrown at me that had shit coin written on it. Yeah, that dude. Anyway, um, I mean, all these people, just they're just walking out of the woodwork. Hex, Hexcoin. My God, people. There's like 8,000 coins at this point. Of course, there are. there is fraud. Of course, the UK bank is like freaking out because they're... Nobody wants to pick up the phone and 12% of the time, it's somebody who got cheated out of money because they bought some bag of crap. And they got rug pulled. DeFi, the DeFi summer last year did not help at all. It's no wonder. It is no freaking wonder why these banks are doing this shit. So as long as the scam chains hang around, we've got a lot of work to do. And this is, this is one of the reasons why I'm a toxic son of a bitch Bitcoin maximalist. I just don't put up with this crap anymore. Somebody starts asking me about anything other than Bitcoin, I automatically take a giant dump on it. It is an automatic response. It's an immune response, man. I, I just, I can't put up with this crap anymore because it just, it's so terrible watching these people lose all of their money or a shit ton of their money <clears throat> when all they really had to do is just buy some Bitcoin and go on with their life. Now, getting back to China, I have no confirmation of this. What I'm about to read you is stands by itself. I've asked for an article. I'm not getting it, but here's Eunice Yoon. China logistics firm in Guangzhou confirms to CNBC that it's airlifting uh, 3,000 kilograms or 6,600 pounds of Bitcoin mining machines to Maryland, USA. Fangua International <laughs> advertises products delivered to door, tax on both ends cleared, price per kilo as low as $9.37. Okay, who's Eunice Yoon? She's got a blue check. Who let's let's find out. Okay. She works for CNBC. So in her bio, she's got at CNBC, at CNBC I, and then a Beijing bureau chief, senior correspondent at NBC News, Brown University, Phillips Exeter, and then she gives her Instagram account. So presumably she really works for CNBC as the Beijing bureau chief, senior co correspondent. Yet I'm getting no love out of her when you know she tweets this and I'm like, where's the article? No, I have yet to be responded to. There is no article. I have no clue if this shit's actually going on, but it's going around Twitter you know, obviously in response to the fact that we're seeing, you know, yet another price dump. 
hey, it's okay. You can you can protect your bag of Bitcoin. I will always I will always help you protect your bag of Bitcoin as long as it's Bitcoin. So, I mean, six thousand pounds of Bitcoin mining machines is a yeah, it's a lot of weight. So was it the, I think each one of these things weighs about oh let's say let's say it's ten pounds something like that and. All right, I had to pause there, do some quick calculations. <clears throat> Turns out I'm horribly wrong. Uh, a, an S19 95T miner weighs 37.4 pounds. So the calculations that they're about to move 176 mining machines to Maryland. Not a whole lot, but still, they're getting out if this shit can be believed. Because like I said, I have no confirmation. I've looked and looked and looked. I do not see an article. So you're going to have to take what I just said about this airlift of, you know, Bitcoin mining to Maryland uh, with a grain of salt, but it could be happening. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I would, if I was a Chinese miner, I'd be getting out. I'd, anyway, I would, I would ship my shit over the mountains by truck convoy if I could, just to get anywhere away from China. Because that place is just, I don't know what their problem is, honestly. I don't understand people which don't that don't like freedom, but whatever. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? <clears throat> oh, which nation will follow El Salvador's lead? Yes, thank God we're away from the FUD here. This is Bitcoin Magazine's Josh Donya. El Salvador's bold and groundbreaking move to declare Bitcoin legal tender on June the 8th, 2021, caught attention of the world and the imagination of their Latin American neighbors. As the 14th most populated country in Latin America and with a past filled with decades of corrupt leadership and violence, it is unlikely that El Salvador <clears throat> has been the object of envy for any Latin American countries in the past 30 years. However, that has changed. And it's changed with the success and innovation of their lay Bitcoin or the Bitcoin law. The refreshing open-mindedness of El Salvador's president, Nayib Bukele, combined with the hard work and huge hearts of Mike Peterson from Bitcoin Beach, Jack Mallers from Strike, and Miles Suter from Square Crypto, <clears throat> has created some much-needed hope for not only his people, but for millions of others in Spanish-speaking nations. In the wake of El Salvador's historic bill, politicians from eight Latin American countries have publicly expressed their desire to pass similar laws in their respective countries. These policymakers are eager to act now for the benefit of their people and fearful that inaction will leave them behind in a world unkind to countries with slow-moving governments. One of the deciding factors of a nation's world standing is the soundness of their money. Bitcoin, which is showing itself to be the soundest money in existence, will unlock countless benefits for the countries who become its earliest adopters on this scale. However, it remains to be seen which countries will benefit from joining El Salvador as the next nation to pass a bill recognizing Bitcoin as legal tender. Panama is one of these prospective countries and is being led by the efforts of Congressman Gabriel Silva to, support, uh, to create support for this effort. He started a Telegram chat room to hear directly from his constituents about their thoughts on the following questions regarding El Salvador's Bitcoin law. One, what did it do well? Two, what is it missing? Three, what applies to Panama? Four, what does not apply? Five, what should be changed? In the five days since opening his chat room, over 1,000 messages have poured in from 330 members with various thoughts on the best way to proceed on Panama's behalf. 
The main debate that has emerged is whether the prospective bill should only recognize Bitcoin as legal tender or if it should be wider in scope and legalize the use of other cryptocurrencies as money. The negative implications of the latter argument are too numerous to list here. This case study is a microcosm of the conversations that are likely taking place behind closed doors in the government offices of the other nations mentioned above. It is important to note that El Salvador's Bitcoin law is not merely favorable legislation regarding Bitcoin, but rather a clear message that Bitcoin is the only cryptocurrency worth integrating into the economy as money. Any law that is watered down by elevating other cryptos as equal to Bitcoin will not have the desired effect due to their inherent lack of fundamental soundness and integrity as money. One can only hope that these countries consult El Salvador for guidance in crafting a bill that has the same conviction of their lay Bitcoin. Imitation in this case is not flattery, but rather it is essential for the benefit of their people. Latin American countries are not the only ones feeling pressure to move forward with Bitcoin legislation. NFL offensive lineman Russell Okung published a compelling open letter to the president of Nigeria, imploring him to adopt a Bitcoin standard. The list of nations being urged to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender by influential voices is growing by the day, and it is only a matter of time before another country becomes the second to do so after El Salvador. So there you go. Uh, thank God. <laughs> now, <clears throat> Miami mayor wants to entice Bitcoin miners to set up shop in Florida. Uh, Miami Mayor Francis Suarez told CNBC that his city's doors are open to Chinese Bitcoin miners who have recently faced the crackdown from officials in their home country. By the way, this is Namcios writing for Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, we want to make sure that our city has an opportunity to compete. Hey, <laughs> or we're talking to a lot of companies and just telling them, hey, we want, to be, we want you to be here, Suarez told CNBC. Suarez, a prominent proponent of Bitcoin who has publicly declared that he holds the asset, has been taking deliberate measures to get Miami one step ahead of other American cities by integrating Bitcoin and other disruptive technologies into the city's operations. As a result, his city can already be considered a hotbed for the most significant cryptocurrency. Miami's website hosts the Bitcoin web, uh, white paper, and the city held the largest Bitcoin conference of all time, Bitcoin 2021, earlier this month. In addition, Miami residents might soon be able <clears throat> to pay taxes with Bitcoin. Suarez is now seeking to bring Bitcoin's most critical industry to his city. Although he claims that he hasn't personally received calls from Chinese miners, the mayor wants to leverage Miami's supply of clean, cheap nuclear energy. Quote, the fact that we have nuclear power means that it's really inexpensive power. We understand how important this is. Miners want to get a certain kilowatt price per hour, and so we're working with them on that, said the mayor. Nuclear energy <clears throat> is one of the state of Florida's biggest power generators, second only to natural gas, according to CNBC. And the mayor is seeking ways to lower energy costs even more. According to the report, Suarez is already in talks with Florida Power and Light Company to figure out how to further drive down the price of energy. Furthermore, the mayor is reportedly also considering setting up enterprise zones specifically for Bitcoin mining. Enterprise activities in such zones would reap the benefits of special tax concessions, infrastructure incentives, and scaled back regulations. The hope is that these enterprise zones will further encourage miners to move to Miami and incentivize the creation of jobs and investment. Suarez is targeting Chinese miners because of the delicate situation they're currently facing. 
ever since the Chinese State Council released a statement declaring that the government will crack down on Bitcoin mining, the industry has met some challenges. <laughs> yeah, you think? For instance, Bitcoin miners in the Zhejiang province, which is home to one of the most economic and technological development parks in the country, received a notice last week demanding that their operations be shut down. The Zudong Park houses some of China's most significant Bitcoin mining facilities, but they're all powered by fossil fuel energy. Ah, the horror! If such Bitcoin mining operations move to Miami, not only would Bitcoin's carbon footprint be reduced due to the American city's nuclear power source, but it would also initiate a step into greater decentralization of Bitcoin mining. And while Miami's capacity to house many Bitcoin mining farms is not yet proven, Suarez is optimistic and has been taking significant steps for this move to become a reality. Okay, so the last thing to say about this, this whole Bitcoin mining thing is at 50 exahashes, maybe even at 25 exahashes, Bitcoin's pretty damn secure. We have been like, we've been oversecured for a long time. And I'm just, I'm just not all that concerned about hash rate. Why? Because the difficulty adjustment, if you don't know, there's this thing called the difficulty adjustment. And every roughly two weeks or two, I think it's 2016 blocks, whichever, I guess, which, you know, whatever that hits two, uh, 2016 blocks, the difficulty on being able to mine a block adjusts up or down depending on the, the average hash rate over the last two weeks or roughly two weeks, 2016 blocks. And what's going to happen is that there's going to be a lot of hash rate that leaves the network. That's okay. Right now, I think we're coming in where we've got blocks coming in like every 14 minutes because it's like 110 or something like that right now. But then... Lo and behold, like freaking magic, the difficulty adjustment happens. And guess what? The whole network goes back to mining blocks every 10 minutes because throughout all of this crap coming out of China, you know what has not happened? Bitcoin has not stopped mining blocks. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. We've got West Texas Intermediate down a quarter of a point, but it's still coming in over $70 at $71.45. Brent North Sea is coming in at $73.25. That's down a third of a point. Natural gas is down one and a quarter, is coming in at $3.17 for a thousand cubic feet. Gold is one of the few shiny metal rocks that's up. It's up by 0.28%. Uh, $1,774. Mmm, that's some good shift right there. Silver is down a third of a point. Platinum is down almost a full point. Copper is down two, or whoa, sorry, three quarters of a point. Palladium, however, is up 1.5%. All your agricultural futures are down with corn getting slaughtered today, down three and a quarter percent. Wheat is down 1.35. Soybeans are down almost two points. Coffee is down one and a half. The only winner today is chocolate. I love chocolate. Uh, Dow futures, uh, we're going to be up 0.6. S&P up, uh, let's see, it looks like a third of a point. NASDAQ futures up 0.16. And the S&P mini is up a half. So there you go. 
Uh, well, yeah, real money. That's right, real money. $32,591 is what I'm showing here. 171,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is about 7,136 transactions every hour on the hour on average. Uh, 337,000 BTC have been sent in the past 24 hours. That's about 14,000 BTC per hour with the average transaction value being 1.97 BTC. The median transaction value has dropped 0.023 BTC. Well, it's actually dropped in terms of uh, USD. Actually, the, the, the median, median transaction value being 0.023 BTC is, is actually held pretty steady. It's the USD value that's dropped. That's uh, $757. Block times are obviously high, 13 minutes and 51 seconds at present time with 0.25 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. And let's see, 26 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've had a small bump in hash rate, 1.85% to the upside, but we are still at 106 exa hashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, Dogecoin, 22.2 United States pennies. That's 22.2 United States pennies. And it should be 0.2 United States pennies for all that shit's worth. And we've got some Doge. I got some Doge stories at the end of the show for you. But before we even get close to that, let's do this. 20,000 transactions are waiting on 22 blocks to clear. We have dropped in market capitalization down to $600 billion, which is a scant 5.24% of gold's market cap. And we can now buy only 18.2 ounces of shiny metal rocks with our one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,739,810.25 BTC in circulation at the time. Clark Moody showing a price of $32,280. The total capacity of the Lightning Network has surpassed 1,500 BTC. So 1,594.62 to be exact. That capacity value is 51.5 million, and that's being run over 12,300, oh, sorry, dyslexic, 12,239 total nodes that we know about with 51,347 51, channels that we know about uh tor capacity oh is tor being attacked the reason i ask is that i have i'm getting no percentage for tor capacity i'm not getting a count for tor nodes this is and i'm not getting any btc numbers for the tor capacity uh uh in in bitcoin terms so is it makes me wonder either Either Clark Moody's dashboard is not picking that those numbers up or there's yet another attack on Tor. I don't know. I'm not even going to check because we got to move on. That's going to do it for Vitals. Going to kick off part two of the morning roundup with this one from Bitfinex. It's a tweet they uh, put out this morning. Bitfinex holds two of the three largest public nodes for the Lightning Network, just behind Async, with a total capacity of 197 BTC and 950 active channels. Uh, Connect to us and enjoy Lightning Speed Bitcoin transfers on Bitfinex. So good on you, Bitfinex. 
I don't know if Kraken or any of like how many other people in the exchange game have gone over to Lightning, but it's good to see at least Bitfinex has has done so. And it, it would be nice to see Kraken and all the rest of them fall in line. But I thought I'd just lead with that. Oh, the quickest way to achieve financial freedom is with Bitcoin. This is written by Casey Carrillo, and it is written for Bitcoin Magazine. I believe that the founding fathers of the United States inscribed the idea that liberty is inherent to life in the Declaration of Independence. While they made an astounding first step in declaring this, there has been, since the uprising of technology, a necessity of this in monetary form. I believe that Bitcoin is the codification of monetary liberty. Like the Declaration of Independence, Bitcoin was set into existence from the very moment it was realized. Quote, The nature of Bitcoin is such that once version 0.1 was released, the core design was set in stone for the rest of its lifetime. End quote, Satoshi Nakamoto. The mere existence of the idea now facilitated a a reality in which liberty was to be demanded. Having had the taste of freedom, man had realized the fullest potential of life in that of sovereignty. Financial freedom is achieved the moment you begin acquiring Bitcoin. Immediately, you obtain digital value, verifiably scarce and unstoppably mobile. There are no outside entities who can lay claim to your property. There are no boundaries on the transfer of your money. Each individual reclaims their inherent right to liberty as expressed in the Declaration of Independence and now too expressed in the form of Bitcoin's code. While the Declaration of Independence proclaimed the liberty, or rather the idea and theory of self-sovereignty, Bitcoin created the physical implementation of such property rights, allowing the manifestation of such liberty to proliferate in reality. What the Declaration did on a theoretical level, Bitcoin achieves on a material level via monetary property rights, It is interesting to think that such an achievement was only possible given the creation of the internet. As much as the printing press led to the proliferation of education, writing, and reading, which were necessary for such a thing as the Declaration of Independence to even occur, the internet enabled Bitcoin. The printing press, being the origin of worldwide mediums of content absorption, interconnected people across space and time. The internet accomplishes this feat even more so, more quickly, and exponentially more effective And so it is with this realization that we understand Bitcoin being enabled by a present global interconnectedness is a physical manifestation of liberty. Damn, bro. That was kind of sent some chills up my spine there. Okay, now let's get into a little bit of tech stuff. Coin Corner presents Bitcoin hot wallet with offline private keys. This is interesting. Thomas M has it for the BTC Times. Historically, one of the most prominent attack vectors cryptocurrency exchanges have had to deal with were their hot wallets, wallets connected to the internet that hold a certain amount of funds to provide instant liquidity to users in the event of rapid influx of deposits or withdrawals. Being online most of, if not all the time, hot wallets are exposed to a variety of risks that cold wallets are not. Multi-signature approaches seek to alleviate these risks but cannot address them completely. UK-focused Bitcoin exchange Coin Corner has now published the initial findings of research, uh, a research project conducted to find a way to mitigate the risk associated with hot wallets without compromising their accessibility. The result? Hoffline, 
an automated air-gapped Bitcoin hot wallet that looks to combine the convenience of an online wallet with the added security of a cold wallet by storing the associated private keys offline. On Wednesday, Coin Corner CEO Danny Scott shared a video of a local test conducted by the exchange's research team showing an early structure that includes an online device and an offline device, the key components of the installation. And these, Danny's got his, his tweet down here. The transaction process using Hoffline starts with the on-dev, which is the, <clears throat> excuse me, the online device. The offline device is referred to as off-dev. The transaction process using Hoffline starts with the on-dev, which receives a transaction to send from the database and goes on to create an unsigned transaction and the corresponding QR code. That code is then scanned by a camera connected to the off-dev, which validates and signs the transaction, creating another QR code that contains the signed transaction data. The on-dev device then scans the code with its own camera and broadcasts the transaction to the Bitcoin network. The approach, although seemingly simple, allows for the offline storage of a wallet's private key, an important factor that contributes to the wallet's overall security level. Although the project is still in early stages, Coin Corner's re research team, which is led by Scott, alongside Zach Lacken, Jack Trier, or Tyrer, David Boylan, and Alex Delaney, is already looking into ways to optimize the process. One possible approach involves Blockstream Satellite, a network of satellites that broadcast the Bitcoin network from space, allowing Bitcoin nodes to be installed and kept in sync without the need for an internet connection. Coin Corner is exploring setups that would contact the off-dev to the satellite network, or connect the off-dev to the satellite network in order to run a full node on the device. The research project presents the latest move in line, in line with Coin Corner's declared commitment to contribute to the Bitcoin ecosystem and, quote, stay at the forefront of the Bitcoin industry, according to Scott. And it's, dude, this is really cool looking, man. It's like two 3D printed cases that are holding Raspberry Pis that are facing each other. And as it said, one of them's online and one of them, one of them is offline. And they basically just sit there and stare at each other and take pictures, you know, like they take pictures of each other. It's honestly, it's brilliant. It's so simple. And that's what, again, this is why Bitcoin, sometimes the most elegant solution is the worst kind. In this particular case, this is not, this is not elegant. This is just brute forcing a situation. And I could see this being fine, as in good enough, as in, nope, we, saw, we solved that problem. Let's move on to something else. And the next thing you know, all these exchanges probably have like a little secured room or whatever. And inside this hugely, you know, behind a vault are these two Raspberry Pis that are basically taking pictures of each other, allowing all their customers to do all the shit that they were always going to do. But the hot, but the uh, private keys are never online. It's brilliant. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, Cointelegraph's Martin Young. <clears throat> You're going to love this one. Dogecoin dumps as Dogecoin sponsored NASCAR driver crashes. Yeah, I saw a video of like what looked to be the a Doge NASCAR, you know, coming in weird, but I thought it was I kind of thought it was somebody, you know, having a lot of fun with 
you know, Premiere Pro or After Effects or something like that. I had no idea that NASCAR still had a Doge sponsored car. Anyway, it crashes. A Dogecoin donned race car hit a wall in spectacular, spectacular fashion over the weekend as Dogecoin fared much the same in the markets. Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series race in Nashville ended in disaster for the Dogecoin-sponsored car, with the Doge emblazoned Chevrolet Camaro driven by Stefan Parsons smashing into the wall on lap 70. The faithful fans of the meme cryptocurrency have been revved up for the race, with the Doge car hashtag trending on Twitter in the lead-up to the event on Saturday. Photos of the number 99 race car featuring the iconic Shiba Inu plastered across the vehicle's hood were shared with gusto. However, as a result of the accident, the Doge car finished the event in last place. Despite the loss, Dogecoin supporters were grateful for the coverage. Dogecoin itself has not fared so well either, dumping 14% over the weekend in a fall from roughly 30 cents to a Sunday low of 26 cents. Doge has lost 30% over the past fortnight and is currently down 64% from its all-time high of 73 cents on May the 8th. Saturday's race was not the first time Dogecoin's famed cartoon pooch was found in its way found its way onto the hood of a NASCAR vehicle with driver Josh Wise raising 55,000 in Doge donations on Reddit to fund his entrance in 2014. When Wise ran the scheme, he was driving the number 98 car for Phil Parsons Racing. The sponsorship deal for the car that raced this past weekend was announced in early March by BJ McLeod Motorsports driver Stefan Parsons, whose father owned the racing team for the first Doge-sponsored race car back in 2014, stated, quote, Having the opportunity to run a scheme that has an incredible story from my dad's race team is something I am so proud to do, end quote. In related news, reported by Cointelegraph, Xfinity driver Landon Castle agreed to receive part of his salary in Bitcoin and Litecoin, good God, as part of a sponsorship with crypto broker Voyager. Voyager finalized a 19-year agreement to sponsor Castle, uh, starting with the weekend's race at the Nashville Super Speedway. Castle confirmed the company would pay for the deal entirely with a portfolio of various digital assets. I think you spelled shit coins wrong, dude. All right, so yeah, the thing came in flat, almost parallel. The car crashes in the wall, and the video that I saw has the car screaming sideways across the finish line. I mean, almost exactly parallel. It was just, God, it was a sight to behold. But if you are, by the way, interested in Dogecoin for whatever reason that you might be, and please, I hope you aren't, um, we've got some words from our friend Neil Kashkari. And I had alluded to this earlier in the show, but Doge branded as Ponzi by the Federal Reserve Bank President Neil Kashkari. This is investing.com. Uh, I do not see an author line here. <clears throat> Dogecoin is on the hot seat once again. This topic arose after the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis, Neil Kashkari, called it a Ponzi. Interestingly, this happened after Paul Grewal, Coinbase's chief legal officer, created a poll on LinkedIn on how to pronounce Doge. Furthermore, this is not the first time that Kashkari blasted cryptocurrency. In an event last year, he stated that cryptocurrency is like a giant garbage dumpster. 
Kashkari further explained, quote, the reason that the dollar has value is because the U.S. government has a legal monopoly on producing the dollar. In the virtual currency and cryptocurrency world, there are thousands of these garbage coins out there. Literally, people have been fleeced for tens of billions of dollars. And finally, the SEC is getting involved in cracking down on all this, end quote. He added that maybe in the future, cryptocurrency could come up with something great. Quote, maybe five years from now or 10 or even 20 from now, something useful will emerge from this. But so far, all that's emerging is burning garbage, Kashkari said. On the other hand, despite the left and right issues faced by Doge lately, the crypto remains solid. No, it doesn't. It's bullshit. You're lying, investing.com. It is not solid. In other words, Doge was able to maintain its stability despite the bloody market nowadays. In fact, Doge was able to sustain its market capitalization to over $30 billion in the face of a crypto market gone wildly volatile. Today, Doge trades at a decent price, <clears throat> excuse me, of 27 cents with a one-year growth rate of almost 11,000%. This article was first published on coincora.com. Oh, okay, so that's where this garbage came from. Okay, two things. Neil Kashkari's right in one way. All of the shit coins are going to get, are, have been, will continue to, and, or are right now, and will continue to do so into the future, getting people wrecked, right? They're going to buy a bag of shit because of unit bias. They're, oh, I can get into Doge at a dollar or whatever, 73 cents, and uh, I'm going to be rich. No, Doge is a pile of garbage. That's where, that's exactly where Neil Kashkari is correct. Most of this stuff is terrible. Almost all of it, in fact. The only thing I care about is Bitcoin. There are, is talk that, you know, by a lot of people that I do respect that the only thing that they would even remotely consider as having a use case is something like Monero. And I'm not saying go out and buy it. I don't own any, okay? I'm just telling you straight up. I don't want Monero. Sure shit don't want Cardano. I don't know. Anyway, so he's right there, but as far as this being a dumpster fire, but what he's wrong about is that, and what people continuously get wrong is that this includes Bitcoin and that's where we you know, have to part ways. That is the useful thing. The fact that everybody got in on, on you know, producing their own bag of crap, it was an effect of Bitcoin, very much like today's market. Everything is down. Cryptocurrency wise, why? Because Bitcoin's down. You don't do jack without Bitcoin's permission. You don't get to go up without Bitcoin's permission. You don't get to go down with Bitcoin's permission without Bitcoin's permission. And you don't even get to move fricking sideways without Bitcoin's say so, right? The whole market is based on Bitcoin. Why are you not in Bitcoin? If you're not in Bitcoin and if you're holding a bag of something else, and you don't see the truth of what I just said, that Bitcoin allows the rest of this shit to move up, down, sideways. So why are you attaching your, you know, your little red wagon to Litecoin or Ethereum? I mean, if I look right now, what's going on right now? We're at $32,150. That's a 9.66% drop in the price of Bitcoin over the, I guess, the 24 hours. But Ethereum's down 13 or 14%. Doge is down 23%. Litecoin's down 15%. Ethereum Classic is down 17 
all these things are double digits except for Bitcoin. When Bitcoin, when Bitcoin decides to take a dump, everything else dumps harder. Why are you not in Bitcoin? It's the only safe place, it's the, actually the only safe place to be. When your friends ask you about other coins, please warn them about this shit. There's gonna be so many people that are just, just monetarily destroyed by this dump. And if you're holding Bitcoin, continue to hold your Bitcoin. I, all I see is nothing but good news coming out. The only people that are, are, you know, the only people that are messing this shit up right now is China. And all they're really, in the short term, they're messing up the Bitcoin price. And that's fine because in the long term, China's not going to be able to play. They're going to think that they're going to take over the world with the digital wand. And that's, that's not going to happen. I'm never using the digital wand. It's not, I am not, I'm not going to use money that's attached to the digital wand. If for some reason or another, the United States dollar falls out of, you know, world reserve currency status and it's replaced by the digital wand, you can color me goodbye. I'm not going to have anything to do with any legacy at that point. Any business I'm in, I'm getting paid in Bitcoin. I don't care at this point. I, we have to get out of this mess. We have to leave these people behind and they will either follow us and hopefully they won't cause trouble when they do, or they will just, I don't know, stay behind and, and I don't know, maybe attack each other's aircraft carriers or whatever it is these people do for fun. Personally, just watch some sports ball. Anyway, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, this Monday is being rather depressing. I, I understand that. However, it is time for a joke. Dad says jokes. I hate my job. All I do is crush cans all day. It's so depressing. Ah, uh, needed that one. Okay, again, I do not, I have not been contacted by Apple uh, about what's going on with the uh, iTunes podcast. Um, I'll keep you posted when I hear something, but for right now, if you're, you know, if you know somebody that's, you know, bitching and moaning that they are like, that I'm not producing shows, tell them that I am. They just got to go to any other podcatcher. I mean, Blueberry and, and, you know, Audible, I'm on like almost every single platform and I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost tempted to just, you know, not even care about the iTunes thing because if they're going to wield this much, you know, much power, um, they don't need it. And honestly, iTunes podcasting app is not all that good, guys. There's like a whole bunch of ones. I personally like the Breeze one, but it also, you know, it's got the functionality of me being able to trade value for value through podcasting 2.0. So I can stream sats to my favorite podcasters while I listen to them on a minute over minute basis. First time that's ever been done before. But, you know, there, it, it does lack a little bit of functionality. You know, so another one that I use is, is the Overcast app. It's, it's getting my feed just fine. It's updating every single day when I put it, or when I put out a show, it updates, you know, so there's other ways to skin this cat and I hope you skin it with me. And after we do that, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.